It's Friday night, family movie night. You and your siblings pile into the station wagon. You sit in the seat at the very back, backwards, to watch the road as it lengthens in front of you. The car comes to a stop and the engine turns off. Everyone hops out and against the black night sky are those illuminated golden letters. Blockbuster. You race inside and are immediately met with the scent of movie theater popcorn with a faded hint of plastic. There are familiar butter yellow walls and films playing on the overhead TVs. You run to your favorite section, examining each cover closely, occasionally reading the backs of ones that look particularly interesting. But you choose Pretty in Pink for the 40th time. Okay, well, you know, not me, the royal you. New releases, staff picks, and snacks, aisles lined with video covers, digging through those just-returned movies. Be kind, please rewind. It can't get any better than this. I'm Jason Epperson, and this is the See America podcast. From coast to coast, we see America one mile at a time, discovering stops along the way that are eclectic, historic, ridiculous, breathtaking, inspiring, and humbling. This week, the last remaining blockbuster video in the world in Bend, Oregon. This great destination is brought to you by Road Trippers, America's number one road trip planning app. Plan your ultimate adventure with a Road Trippers Plus subscription and discover the world around you in an entirely new way by streamlining discovery, planning, booking, and navigation, all ad-free. Plan your unique journey at roadtrippers.com, then use the app as your ultimate travel guide and navigator. Adventure doesn't come from the fastest route. Start exploring at roadtrippers.com and save 15% off your Road Trippers Plus subscription with the code RVMILES2X. That's 15% off Road Trippers Plus with code RVMILES2X at roadtrippers.com. When you ask anyone about why they think Blockbuster no longer exists, the overwhelming response will be Netflix. This isn't exactly true. But before we give away any plot twists, let's rewind to the 80s, a time where the hair was big, the colors were neon, and video rental was all the rage. The early 80s saw the invention of the VCR or video cassette recorder. Remember those? The VCR is a device that records analog audio and video from broadcast television on a removable tape video cassette, which can then be played back later. It was the perfect opportunity to capture the latest John Hughes flick and watch it over and over and over again. You just had to fast forward through the commercials. With the rise of the VCR, film studios decided they were going to sell movies directly to consumers. However, these cassette tapes were priced at about $100 each back in the 80s and inaccessible to the typical family. Enter a group of entrepreneurs who thought, we'll buy the tapes and rent them. Thus, the creation of video rental stores. 
The first in the U.S. was Video Station, located in Los Angeles and opened in 1977 by George Atkinson. Originally, when Sony released the first commercially available video recorders in the U.S. in 1975, Universal and Disney filed a lawsuit against them in an attempt to ban the sales of VCRs and later the rental of movies. The case made it all the way to the Supreme Court. Eventually, the court overruled the litigation. Movie buffs everywhere sighed a breath of relief, and the video rental business took off, with no legal risk and only red carpets on the horizon. Studios quickly found out that their fear was misplaced. Rental became their biggest source of revenue. Fast forward 10 years to 1985. David Cook, a then software engineer in the oil and gas industry, decided to close his failing business when his wife convinced him to open a video store instead. They named it Blockbuster Video, and it opened in Dallas, Texas, boasting an inventory of 8,000 VHS tapes. What made Blockbuster different was that it had a bigger selection. It was open until midnight, and it put the movie covers out on the shelves. At the time, the custom was to keep the merchandise behind the counter, but at Blockbuster, you could browse the aisles, pick up a box, take a closer look, and read the back. Cook also wanted his brand to be family-friendly, removing the adult section typical video stores at the time. Yet, it was Cook's original software that made Blockbuster a real hit. Cook created a system that used databases to streamline inventory, making checking videos in and out more efficient. This meant he could replicate his store more quickly than his competitors, who were still using logbooks and pencils. A year later, Blockbuster had already opened a whopping 20 locations. In 1987, this growth caught the eye of Waste Management CEO Wayne Huizinga, who acquired the company. Under his guidance, Blockbuster continued topping the charts, gobbling up competition and converting them into Blockbuster stores. By 1994, Blockbuster had become an entertainment juggernaut and a pop culture fixture. The company had expanded to over 3,600 locations with more on the way. And at this point, Viacom CEO Sumner Redstone saw stars and bought the company for $8.4 billion. Blockbuster was riding high with the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards and even had plans to open a theme park in Miami. But behind the scenes, financial trouble began to brew. Viacom had been using Blockbuster video franchises as a cash machine in its bid to buy Paramount, borrowing heftily against future revenue. CEO Wayne Huizinga was replaced by John Antiaco, who was known for his shakeup of the Taco Bell brand with the cheesy gordita crunch. I'm not making any of this up. In 1996, Viacom took Blockbuster public, bringing in $465 million in its initial public offering while simultaneously saddling the store with a massive debt. 2001 saw the end of the entertainment awards and a slew of competition from on-demand cable movies, DVRs, Redbox, and Netflix, which, as you remember, at the time mailed you DVDs from your queue, which certainly sounds like a business model Blockbuster could latch onto, already owning the physical media. Well, did you know that Blockbuster had the chance to buy Netflix in 2000? But they didn't. It's rumored that the idea for Netflix came to founder Reed Hastings when Blockbuster charged him $40 in late fees for Apollo 13. In Netflix's fledgling stages, Hastings set up a meeting with John Antiaco with an offer to sell Netflix for $50 million. Hastings was laughed out of the room. 
Netflix is now one of the largest companies in the world worth $260 billion. With the rise of Netflix and Redbox, Blockbuster needed to pivot and fast. Antiaco's solution? Offering DVDs by mail and abolishing late fees. That's right, no more late fees. It was too late. Netflix had the mail order thing covered and the removal of late fees had Blockbuster losing $250 million in sales and cash flow reduced to a third overnight. Famed investor Carl Icahn joined the Blockbuster board and Antiaco was promptly fired. Jim Keyes was hired away from 7-Eleven in his place. There, his claim to fame was offering free Slurpees on July 11th. You're the best, Jim. Under Key's leadership, Blockbuster pivoted to include Blockbuster On Demand, DVDs by mail, and Blockbuster Express kiosks, an attempt to rival everyone. This doubled revenue, and had it continued, Blockbuster could have become bigger than Netflix. But a month later, the 2008 stock market crash left millions of businesses against the odds, and Blockbuster was one of them. All of this to say, no. Netflix was not the cause of Blockbuster's downfall. Both companies were evenly positioned to grow their subscriber base. Only Netflix had capital and Blockbuster did not. Blockbuster had over a billion dollars in debt. In 2010, Blockbuster was forced to make a decision and filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Ultimately, Dish Network bought the brand in 2010 for less than 5% of what Viacom paid 16 years earlier. Six months later, they liquidated over 600 stores. Additional store closures continued at an alarming rate. By 2017, there were 12 Blockbuster stores. By 2018, four, three stores in Alaska and one in Bend, Oregon. The following year, the Bend store became the last remaining Blockbuster location in the entire world. Here's Abigail. Bend, Oregon is Central Oregon's largest city. Annually attracting droves of tourists for its fun outdoor activities like mountain biking, fishing, skiing, rafting, and golf. The geography of Bend lends itself to being a camper's paradise. The city sits on the boundaries of the eastern Cascade Slopes and foothills in the Deschutes River Valley within the Blue Mountains. The high desert climate means sunny days and cool nights. It's also one of three U.S. cities to have an extinct volcano within its city limits. Bend also boasts a robust and growing arts and culture scene. From its breweries to its independent film festival, this weird little town is the perfect home for the last blockbuster. The Bend franchise was opened by Ken and Debbie Tischer not as a blockbuster, but as a mom-and-pop video shop called Pacific Video. The couple found much success as small business owners, so they opened two other stores. Until a blockbuster moved in down the street and an ultimatum was presented. Either a Pacific Video be converted into a blockbuster franchise, or the giant company would open another location in Bend. The Tishers obliged and the iconic Bend blockbuster was born. General Manager Sandy Harding had no idea what she was in for. When she began working for Blockbuster in 2004, the company had 9,000 stores and 60,000 employees. Known as the Blockbuster Mom, she prides herself on the video renting community she's built in Bend, Oregon. In fact, a good percentage of teenagers in Bend have been employed by Sandy, earning her her namesake. New releases are always available on Tuesdays. 
So once a week, Sandy goes on a treasure hunt for these and specific customer requests from stores like Target and Walmart. If that search proves unsuccessful, she'll resort to Amazon and other internet resources to provide the customers what they need. Before the pandemic, the store hosted community events like open mics and block parties. This care and engagement is what Sandy attests to keeping the store alive. The last blockbuster in Bend, Oregon still uses Cook's original computers and system with floppy disks included. The walls are that delicious butter yellow and the tapes still come in the blockbuster famous case with the pop sound upon opening, the cassette pegs on the inside cover, and the filmy plastic on the front. The 2019 news of the Bend location being the lone remaining store threw everything into a frenzy. Sandy and her store became famous. News outlets like the New York Times, USA Today, the Washington Post, and the AP called for an interview. YouTubers and fans from around the world flocked to see Sandy's store. She received letters with old gift certificates and donations in hopes to be passed on to help a family in need. The Bend location even inherited a small exhibit of Russell Crowe artifacts that had been featured in the last Alaska store. The last blockbuster continues to survive through renewed contracts with Dish Network and through grassroots support. Especially during 2020, the store had to be creative and the internet came to the rescue. Sandy began shipping DVDs and last blockbuster merchandise to fans all across the globe. The store even offered an overnight option on Airbnb for 90s themed sleepovers. Also in 2020, a documentary was released on Netflix entitled The Last Blockbuster. Now the store is open for visitors and is regularly bustling with out-of-towners who make the Bend pilgrimage just for this site. There's something Blockbuster stirs in us, the power of nostalgia. We have moved into an age where algorithms recommend movies to us instead of a clerk at the counter. We no longer have tangible media that has weight and sound and smell. The last Blockbuster is our last opportunity to be surrounded by movies to evoke that giddy feeling of Friday night. Movies that we can touch and turn over. It's our nod to that kid in the back seat of the station wagon, clutching their copy of The Swan Princess to watch for the 40th time. And the mounting excitement on the car ride home as those illuminated golden letters fade from view. The last Blockbuster is open 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. on weekdays until 10 p.m. on weekends and has over 21,000 titles and tons of snacks and merchandise to choose from. This episode of See America was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, narrated by Abigail Trebu and written by Kelsey McGrath. If you like the show, we'd love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'd also like to invite you to follow the See America podcast on Instagram and Facebook and join the See America Facebook group where we chat about some of America's greatest road trip destinations. If you're a national park lover, we hope you'll also check out the America's National Parks podcast or come listen to Abigail and me talk about our life on the road with our three boys on the RV Miles podcast. This great destination was brought to you by Road Trippers, America's number one road trip planning app. Plan your unique journey at roadtrippers.com, then use the app as your ultimate travel guide and navigator. Adventure doesn't come from the fastest route. Start exploring at roadtrippers.com. <laughs>